Anything Combat with Johnny K. Well, it's Anything Combat, though. Welcome back to the Anything Combat show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K. Today, we're joined by a special guest. He's the number one contender in the featherweight division of one championship. He's the former champion in that division. He knocks everyone out. Please welcome Tan Lee. How are you, Tan, today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hopefully, uh, doing better soon when I change that intro to uh, current champion. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you're in Louisiana right now. Um, how's that going for you? What's happening in Louisiana? So I am in, I'm based in Louisiana primarily, but uh, right now I'm on a little weekend trip with the family. We're out going to to the beach. So I know the weather out there, you said wasn't great, but it's really nice out here. Uh, but back home, uh, it's, it's good. Training's going well. Uh, I'm trying to stay sharp and, and improve some skills and, uh, you know, help out the guys locally where I can. And it's just been good. Good. You fought in featherweight and lightweight. What do you think is the harder division? I know, I believe featherweight and one champs 155 and I believe lightweight's 170. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I did the ultimate fighter at lightweight. I did my first three or four pro fights at lightweight. Uh, and then all, all of my amateur fights, of course. Um, and then actually learned how to cut weight a little bit. So I went down to the featherweight division, um, which honestly not much has changed from fighting at lightweight and then now competing at featherweight with one championship. Obviously it's the same weight, um, but going through the weight cut and dieting down to get to featherweight is, is not much different than going to 155, which is still technically the featherweight division with one, but we just don't have to dehydrate ourselves. So it's, it's honestly, it's not much different from my day to day, from my eating, my diet, all that. Um, the cool thing is I just don't have to dehydrate myself and the guys in the division don't have to dehydrate themselves. And we can basically for the most part is, uh, keep it fair and say, Hey, you know, we are genuine featherweights. So let's just fight at 55 instead of cutting down to 45 and then a day later going in the cage and weighing 165 pounds or whatever I used to weigh. You know what I mean? So it's um, it's an easy transition. You got some things you got to get used to, but honestly, it's not that big a deal. It's it's uh, it's nice not cutting the water weight, though. Really nice. One of my biggest predictions was that I really like in the bantamweight division, I really like Corey Sandhagen right now. And I predicted him to hold the belt because – I just feel like his skill set is just really out there. He's incorporating wrestling into his ridiculous striking game that people can't really contend with. This is a really big problem, as well as his jiu-jitsu. This is a really big problem for a lot of people. So I predicted him to hold the belt. How do you feel about that, and what was it like training with him? Um, training with him on a regular basis is phenomenal. That's why we keep going. Uh, we keep going back there. I keep meeting him in Virginia at Ryan Hall's gym where uh, we met through Ryan. Uh, Ryan does such a great job of bringing people in and, and, uh, you know, creating friendships that way. But it's, it's a great networking piece. Obviously, uh, those two guys are great friends, obviously. Um, but training is phenomenal, man, uh, to be able to step in front of, uh, an elite striker like that, that's gone up with the best of the best in the band and weight division, um, has done phenomenally well and is improving at a really rapid rate. Um, I'm really disappointed that his fight with Umar got canceled because, uh, you know, I went up there a couple of times, just, you know, trying to be a body, try to help out wherever I can. Um, but watching his progression and how much this camp has in, improved the things that you mentioned, his wrestling, his jiu-jitsu, his overall MMA game. Um, 
that we already know his striking's phenomenal. So that combined with those two things is 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 sick. It's it's ridiculous, man. It's, it's cool to watch. You know, it's cool to try to hang around and be a part of too. And uh, it's a pain in the ass to try to spar, and uh, especially when you're trying to mimic somebody with a limited skill set. Uh, man, it's uh, you get punched in the face a little bit, and uh, I'm not too used to that, so it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, what's the proportions like when you spar him? Because he is a very tall guy. I believe he's like five ten, five eleven for bantamweight. That's ridiculous. So he he does. He's a he's a little thinner. I think I carry just a hair more, uh, you know, muscle. Uh, I guess in like the the midsection and the like the arms and stuff. I got skinny old legs, so that lets me stay at featherweight. But uh, it's uh, he's a he's a got a big wingspan, you know, like a, a long frame, lanky guy. Uh, uses it really well. Um, but yeah, I, I try to stay. At a pretty decent weight, you know, in between 60 and 65. I haven't had a fight in a little bit, obviously, which is kind of aggravating. But uh, now I'm hovering between like 65 and 70 since it's been a little bit. So there is a size difference, especially since he's in camp. So he does so well with that anyway. And I think um, that's what he's trying to trying to make happen. Fight the skilled guys or train with the skilled guys that carry a little bit of strength or size advantage so he can be used to anything that happens to surprise him or or be above par when he's facing guys like Umar, these guys that um, wrestle really well, very strong, good base, things like that. But um, as far as like size goes, uh, he's actually a hair taller, I think. Um, I think he's like 5'10", 5'11", and I'm more 5'9", 5'10". Um, I'm just, a, I guess I would say a hair thicker and he's just a, a hair lankier, longer. The final question I have for you before we move on from Corey is uh, he's got that replacement with Rob Font, a great fighter, good boxer. We saw Piotr Yan do good things with the boxing against uh, Corey with the footwork. Um, to be honest, I think Corey's going to knock him out. But but how do you feel about that fight? I think that plays out the same way. Now, I've got a lot of respect for Font. He's done some really good things uh, and has fought some really tough guys. Uh, he's got a great jab, good boxing, like you said. Um, I just don't think he can keep up with Corey's skill set. I think uh, overall, just overall MMA, he's much better. But even just going striking for striking, he's just got so many tools. And he puts this, I don't want to say the word pressure, but he puts this in-your-face attack where it's just constant. And he's he's not over-pressuring or he'd get hit a lot more. But he doesn't get hit very often because he does it the right way. And he just released an instructional. I think that kind of explains a little bit of that. But just being there but not being there, putting things in your face and then being able to land those big shots like the spinning kick that he landed, uh, the jump knee obviously that he landed. Uh, I think that was on Frankie, right? Um, so he's, he's got some big shots too. So it's really um, it's really aggravating trying to trying to solve that puzzle, you know. He's uh, very skilled. He's very disciplined with his dis uh, distance and uh, his his tool selection. So I think it's I think it's not going to be as one sided as the Cheeto fight, but I think it's going to play out very similarly to where you see some in his full MMA game. I think um, the opposition is going to expect the fight to go one way, and it feels different when he's in your face. So I think that's going to be cool. It was uh, very cool to watch him do to Cheeto, and I think it'll be fun. This, this fight's definitely going to be fun to watch. You, you just made reference to the fact that you haven't gone fights. Have you been asking for fights? What's been happening? So the the issue here is there's like a little balance, right? Like um, I lost a decision, which was real aggravating. I've never gone to a decision in my entire career, amateur or pro. <laughs>
Um, but my first decision, uh, loss, obviously, lost the belt. But I was in line t- for a rematch. Um, and honestly, I didn't want to ex- accept anything other than that. I felt that I deserved it. I didn't think it was a, a definite dominant win, you know, uh, especially coming from, you know, if you look through my shoes, uh, we, we like to finish fights. We like to knock people out. That's the way we do it. And that's the way I think it should be done. Now, obviously, if you have a dominant um, decision, then I'm all for that, too. It's just I think it wasn't as um, as clear cut. You know, he definitely won the fight. Give him that. I just think uh, the fans deserve a round six, and uh, that's what we're waiting on. So, um, you know, there was like an offer or two to fight, but I'm, I'm not – I don't need to just – fight to stay busy and I don't need to just fight to get a little paycheck. Um, I'm not on on a a special enough contract for that to, uh, to, to change my life. You know what I mean? But you know, that's why I'm waiting for that title shot so I can get that rematch, win that belt and start making more checks that change my life. So, um, you've got to look at it from my standpoint. It can't, I'm not just going to go out there and it's not even about the risk. It's the going out there just to stay busy and and not make a boatload of money just uh if it's not going to be a boatload of money it better matter and things like the title really matter to me and then after i win the title i'll have the title and boatloads of money so it'll be a lot better (laughs) (laughs) correct so i want to ask you about your experience in the ultimate fighter you had you were on team faber you had conor mcgregor screaming what was that experience like for you? Uh, what was Uriah Faber like, and what were the guys like in the house? Man, Faber's awesome. Uh, such a vet. Uh, you can tell he is a he's a, a fighter for sure, but a coach at heart, man. He uh, he you can tell he's done it. He's been around the block a time or two, and he, he knows what he's talking about. And he knows um, things that he wants to at least uh, guide you towards as far as uh, teachings go. Right? He brings in some really good guys. Uh, it was honestly, it was a great experience. Uh, having Connor on the other side was was a, a nice little insight on, I guess, fight promotion in general. That was my first time being exposed to anything UFC, cameras in your face all the time, that kind of thing. And Connor's a a really nice guy. He's a he's a cool dude, nice dude, and I wouldn't have, I guess, expected that level of normalcy from him and of course when the cameras come on and Dillashaw walks in or they're doing commentating uh, next to Dana White and Faber on camera things change right you start to turn up the dial a little bit and he's a smart man and he's a great character and I, I love watching him but the dude's cool Faber was really cool it was a great season to be a part of I was very excited and very very grateful that uh that I was a part of that and I made some great connections through that I bumped into favor a few months ago um yeah everybody's cool man great great connections from the show it's it was a wonderful experience i saw you kicking those wooden planks on instagram and i was reading the comment section people were getting very upset with you so how often do you do that um i mean not a ton i mean we were that was during quarantine uh, we had some extra wood laying around the house. It's not a regular thing I do, but whoever's got a problem with it, mind your business. <laughs> don't worry about what I do. I'll show up to the fights. I haven't, I don't, yeah, I've never pulled out for injury. So, uh, we'll be all right. But we had some fun, uh, you know, tried to, try to get a few more followers and we were bored honestly during quarantine. So we had a, a lot of extra time to train and I kick shit. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Some people say 
one championship, PFL, Bellator, uh, now one, because one looks like a very close second to the UFC and looks like it might surpass it in the next couple, um, you know, years, 10 years or something, eight years. They, they say that you guys are not on the same level. You went on the Dana White Contender Series. You won by knockout and you didn't get a contract. I want to ask you, it was whose fault was that? What story is happening there? And do you regret not going to the UFC or do you just not care? No, I think um, at the time I cared. Um, and I think I've come to terms with, you know, maybe that might not play out ever in my career. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I had with one championship. But as far as talent goes, we've seen, I guess, the the one of the biggest names uh, we've seen the trade with Ben Askren and, and Mighty Mouse. And we saw Ben Askren go over there and do well and then not do so well. We saw Mighty Mouse come over here uh, to one championship, get a loss, um, which says a lot. I mean, you know, he's lost. I, you can probably count on one hand uh, the big names that he's, he's not looked phenomenal against. Uh, didn't have a great turnout um, one of his fights, but look at him now, obviously he's dominant an amazing champion, but that just, speaks to the talent in both organizations i mean you know it's uh obviously the ufc is known in at least in this part of the world and what you know in the u.s for sure to be the best and then but you take a little trip uh, across the water and across the other side of the world and the roles are reversed and the fans think the opposite you know and uh i don't think they're right or wrong either way i just think uh it's it's a mixed pool and I promise you the the top contenders and the belt holders in one championship can hang with the guys in uh, the UFC, put on great fights, win some, lose some. I mean, we got to be realistic here. It's, it's for some guys to say that, you know, the guys in, in our organization is just going to go over there and dominate. It's, you know, that's, that's not realistic either because those guys are really good fighters as well. So it goes both ways, you know, with one championship and the UFC. So it's, <clears throat> excuse me. So it's um, it's important to to keep things into perspective. You know what I mean. Um, but we've seen guys go cross, and we've seen guys win. We've seen guys lose. I would love to be a part of that someday. Um, but we'll see. We'll see when the, how that goes. What motivated you to start fighting, and how did it feel to win the championship? So I uh, started doing martial arts when I was four, five, something like that. Uh, my dad did taekwondo forever and he ran a gym and i just came out the womb and that was something that was always meant to be right so uh i fell in love with it been doing martial arts all my life and then um uh we went and watched a local mma show and a friend of mine and and i were just like man i think we should try this out see you know see what we can do we ended up getting first round knockouts in our both of our first amateur fights luckily uh with hardly any training and then we just kind of fell in love with it from there. And then, of course, winning the belt with one championship is, it a it changed my life, but it was it was such a milestone. It was such a check mark off the the list of things that I wanted to accomplish. It was a huge dream to be able to step in that cage, especially with somebody like Martin, who's held the belt for a while, knocked everybody out, and uh, to be able to take that belt from him by KO was was uh, it meant a lot. And, uh, you know, you get overrun with emotion as soon as it happens. So you try to hold it all in until you get behind closed doors. So you and your family and your coaches can all cry it out. But, yeah, it was great, man. It was, um, it's, it's definitely 
on the on the list high high on the list as far as uh, life achievement achievements go. Uh, an absolute lovely guy, friend of the show, Martin Newen. Um, would you consider him the most accomplished featherweight in one championship history? Yeah, yeah, easy. He almost had three belts in three different divisions. Uh, that's awesome, and I, I wish I could make uh, you know bantamweight and try to do that. But I've tried that. That's that's not in the books for me. Um, I don't know how he did it because he when he fought me, he looked big. You know, he wasn't a, a small featherweight by any means. And then he went up and fought at a uh, lightweight and beat Christian. So it's it's really cool to uh, to to be a part of that. But as as far as belt holders in one, for sure, for sure, he's done so much and he's still doing great things. Do you think Christian Lee goes to the UFC uh, later in his career, dude? He's like twenty two or something, twenty five. I don't know what his age is, but dude, I see him when he's like thirty, when he's filled out his frame and. He's huge. He's going to have a ridiculously long record. He already does now. He's gonna. He's gonna go. I think he's gonna to go to the UFC and do very well. Actually, yeah. I. Uh, I think he's got a. I think he's a phenomenal martial artist and a great fighter. And you're right. He's. If he went over there today, he would do great things. Um, to put him at the top of the list and lightweight, I think uh, he's got to shore up a few things uh, on the striking side of things. Uh, but. As far as uh, as far as competition level goes, he's got it. He's he's one of those guys that, that can cross over and do very well. Um, but yeah, just like just like the rest of us, we've just got to continue getting better and better and sure up the holes in our game because cross promotion fights are eventually going to happen. I would just hope it happens in our lifetime, so we can uh, obviously he's younger than I am, but in our lifetime, so we can experience that and even and watch it and be a part of it. But um, it's going to happen. It's it's going to be what's best for the sport. And as far as talent level goes and crossover fights and things like that, it's it's got to happen. And uh, and I think it will. Past, present, or future, you can pick any fighter, any fighter that you like, um, that you're inspired by, your favorite fighter, to fight against you in a fantasy matchup. What would you do one championship for the belt? What would you do any fighter? Man, that's hard. Um, wow. I kind of sucks because he's, I mean, I guess it doesn't suck, but it kind of sucks because he's got all the hype right now and he's a current fighter, so it's not super interesting. But Volk for sure. I think that's, he's such a great fighter. He's, he's, his fight IQ is super high, his well roundedness, his work with Craig Jones and watching uh, how he implemented that stuff against Islam which I can't wait for them to fight again because I know he's, he's going to win that one. Um, but that, you know, that one, that's a big one. Um, just because it's hot right now and it's it's the guy we're all chasing because uh, he's at the top of that pound for pound list. Um, uh, John Jones is always another one because he's at the top of the pound for pound list uh, as well. Um, You've got like a, a, a mighty mouse because he's so legendary and the things that he can do and the, the crazy moves that he pulls off and and it's nothing to him. You could tell it's just not even – it doesn't keep him up at night. He's just going out there and throwing jump knees to re- avenge losses like it ain't nothing, throwing up uh, mat return arm bars like it's crazy. Um, but guys like that – and then if we're going to go to the past – I guess we'll go GSP. I looked up to him for him and him and Machida. Those were two guys that I looked up to a lot when uh, before I even started fighting. And 
that was a uh, that those are two just training with them honestly would be a, a pleasure i don't even think uh fighting them would be pleasant because they beat me up but but those would be two guys that are uh really awesome to be in the same room with <laughs> we spoke about your previous loss i want to ask you about tankai so what do you think about him as a fighter and what do you think about that possibility of a rematch with him yeah, so the rematch hopefully happens sooner rather than later. Uh, I know he's injured, so I don't know how long that's going to take. So we might we might do an interim title until he gets back, and then hopefully have that interim title, beat whoever that they put in front of me there, and then I can uh, go avenge that loss, unify the belts, and then take that belt from him, get my belt back. But um, as a fighter, very skilled, very skilled, fast, safe. Um, and calculated. I think uh, those are some words that describe him really well. I think he had a great game plan coming in. I think he wanted to avoid uh, the power and the explosiveness and the off-rhythm timing that um, that I presented. And he did a good job of that, obviously. Um, and then he did a great job being disciplined and just uh, landing those leg kicks. Uh, but, yeah, great fighter. I have, I have a lot of respect for him. I just can't wait to get my hands on him. <laughs> um I was looking at Instagram. I saw your tattoos. I thought they looked wild. Uh, what do they mean? When did you start getting tattoos? So I got my first one when I was when I turned eighteen. Um, got that one. It was the symbol for the Taekwondo school that my dad uh, runs and that we've been a part of for a really long time. Um, and then my dad was pissed. He was real pissed. He didn't talk to me for like two weeks, but he got over it. Um, that was the first one. I've got, uh, you know, family and loyalty here. Those are two things that are obviously, uh, if you know me, really big uh, with me. Um, the whole robotic arm piece that I've got going on, um, obviously that was inspired by being my dominant hand. Uh, got a, a lot of people that's been that's been under this uh, under this hand as far as uh, putting them to sleep and a lot of first round knockouts, a lot of second round knockouts. So that that's the 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 story behind that one, I guess. It wasn't uh, too complicated, too me you know, too meaningful. But you know, that's how it is. I uh, I was looking at your uh, ethnicity, your background. I believe you're Vietnamese and American. Is that is that is that correct? Absolutely. So my have, dad's from Vietnam yeah. and my mom's from the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. <laughs> so so you have that tattoo family and loyalty. What was that family dynamic like growing up? Because uh, two very different cultures. Um, how, did, how was that? Did you have two separate barbecues or did you have one big barbecue? No. So it's uh, we were really, really close with uh, my immediate family. Um, and honestly, I – I think the things with family, they carry over, you know, if, if you've got things that are the, you know, things like loyalty and, and of, of like Eastern philosophy and beliefs with, with hard work and, and discipline from the West. And I don't know, it's a, uh, it's hard to describe, but they did it really well. Um, and it, I never had much culture shock one way or the other visiting this side of the family or that side of the family or having them come down. Everybody was, I guess, pretty, pretty easygoing and pretty understanding. And, uh, obviously they ran into a lot of criticism, I guess you could say, or roadblocks when they were younger, when they were first getting together, because 
of the times and you know how that goes. But by the time that, you know, I came around and I was, I guess, aware of things smooth, smooth, man. That's, that's one thing. Like a lot of fighters have horror stories with their, their backgrounds and them being brought up in this type of environment, man, my childhood was phenomenal. I missed nothing. I, I wanted for nothing. You know, we, we weren't the richest family around, but you know, I got what I needed, you know, and, and I was taught the right lessons of hard work and discipline and, you know, being loyal and, and, and loving your family and, and being a good man, woman, you know, those things carry over. And I think uh, my parents did it the right way. Uh, I've got a question about you knocking out an absolute legend, Gary Tonin. What was that feeling like? And what was that experience? Are you happy with that win? Yeah, I was uh, very happy with that. That was, um, that was a very nerve wracking fight for me. Um, and it was kind of in your head, you always think like coin flip, right? Like, okay, if we keep it striking, I'll be okay. And if we get to the ground, I'm going to do my best to, to get back to the feet because that's where I win the fight, you know. And um, just honestly, the years and years of working with Ryan Hall and his systems and him coaching me and, and instilling those, the understanding of just grappling and, and jujitsu in general, um, obviously, has done wonders for me. Um, but it really obviously showed in that fight, just having good base and good core fundamentals of understanding how grappling works and then you know he's always uh, also helped me with like don't ever forget that this is the first thing that people are concerned with so give it to them while you're doing good jujitsu and you know it played out well uh, I was very happy about that I uh, ended up getting a, a quick knockout but it was nice honestly to to get pulled down into his waters have him lock on honestly if he had to choose uh, top two, top, I'd say top two positions to get into would be back or mount. Obviously, that's number one to get on my back and choke me. But the second one is going to be entangle my legs and get into those leg lock scenarios. And I was really happy that he got into his number two or possibly number one position entanglement. And we defended it and ended up winning in that position. I was very, very excited, as you can see, after the fight of me freaking out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was uh, very happy with that. We know your goals inside the cage. You want that belt. You want that rematch. I want to ask you, for the next five to ten years, what are your goals outside the cage? So, uh, five to ten. Five, I should be done fighting by then. I don't see anything keeping me in the sport longer than that, honestly. Um, so I'll be out by then, and I'll be working on my gym, uh, my little empire, um, and you know wherever that may bring me. Right now it's in New Orleans. Um, we're in Metairie, Louisiana, and we've got the gym going and signing up new new uh, students as we speak. And uh, my coach slash brother is teaching the day you know the evening classes i'm teaching the advanced classes like it's a wonderful thing that we have going on and it's uh we're building a a really nice little little cut of life down there and then wherever that may bring me you know if i want to spread the empire out left right up down it depends on where we're going in the map right because uh the wife and i are in discussions now just trying to figure out you know if we're if we're going to move on into a different spot if we're going to kind of change location so it's um it's all about building that empire, though. 
Um, I want that empire to be able to take care of me and my family. And I want that to reach out and take care of, of course, you know, my brother, my father, they were going to be teaching coaching the fighters that I have around me. Those guys need to be employed and making money from, from, you know, the things that we're building and then spreading as much of that martial arts knowledge to the next generation of fighters as possible. What challenges and adversity have you faced in your MMA career and how did you overcome them? Um, I think, um, I think we talked about some of them just being on like contender series and ultimate fighter and going through those big losses. Um, and then, you know, even on the contender series, I ended up getting a knockout, but you know, that, that still felt like a loss because, uh, that was the, the episode that O'Malley was on and he got signed. Obviously that paid off well for the UFC. Right. Um, but that was the only week in that season. And honestly, it might have been a couple of seasons that only one guy was signed off the week. And uh, it was very disappointing. And, you know, and uh, there's been some injuries. Like I had my jaw shattered in two places um, that rolled in in a fight. And I luckily ended up getting a knockout against a really tough guy in Josh Quayhagen. Um, but going to get jaw surgery and being wired shut for a few weeks and being cooped up in the house and not being able to really, like, bear down open my mouth, train, run, like anything, you know, I couldn't even strain hard to try to poo. It was really ridiculous, man. Uh, very uncomfortable. And then, um, you know, going through those ups and downs, I think, uh, trying to stay as even keel as possible has helped me. Uh, my father's been a big role model in my life, but that's, that's probably the first one or two uh, descriptive words that people will say when they describe my father is very level-headed, even keel. You know, when things go really well, you can't ride that too high because you know on the flip side of the coin, when things don't go well, if you ride it high, you've got to ride the lows low. It's just the way the human body and the human brain works. You know if you go crazy and you're on top of the world when you get a win or two, then if you lose one or two, then what what's that mean, you know? So I think that's taught me a lot as far as... Uh, my mental work goes and, and putting a lot of time into building a steel trap up there as much as possible, trying to be, you know, in my head, like, quote unquote, the perfect competitor, which is impossible, but we're striving for that type of greatness. So the closer I get to it every day, the better. But it's not easy. It takes work. It takes daily work. And I work with a mindset coach uh, to my guy, Eric. Shout out to you. He, he works with our guys. He works with me. He works with a few UFC fighters. Uh and he's really good, but that has, uh, that honestly has helped me through much more than, than anything else. Um, and then we already talked about how close my family and I are. So having my wife as a support system through the ups and downs, the thicks, thick, thick and thins, like it's, it's, I couldn't do it without her. I'll tell you that. Sean O'Malley, you just said, stole your spot on Dana White Contender Series. What do you think about him? And he's fighting for the belt um, next month or the month after against Aljamain Sterling. What do you think about that style matchup? Who wins? Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say stole my spot. Um, I'd say... <laughs> I'm only joking. I think, I'm only joking. I, I know, I know. I think, uh, honestly, I think my age stole my spot. Um, I was a little older going on to that, and I, that must have been the only reason they... they uh, didn't sign me. So, uh, but honestly, the matchup I think is going to be really interesting. I think he did, uh, O'Malley did really well versus a guy that nobody thought he would do well against. And, and Jan, um, that was a great fight. 
He did well, though. He did much better than whether you thought he won or lost. He did much better than I think the bulk of people expected. Uh, I think he's going to do the same thing in the Aljamain fight. Yeah, I think he's going to perform. He's a good competitor. He's a good performer. Um, I do like Aljo, though. I think, um, you know, watching his improvement over the last few fights has been, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> has been incredible. And once that dude gets you to the ground, hops on your back, I think uh, I think it's going to be a tough night for anybody. Um, so I think he gets it done. You think he? You think he subs him? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know if it's going to be later in the fight, fourish, but uh, I don't think he just runs over there, drags him to the ground, and chokes him. Uh, I think it's. I think he's going to go through some hardship, uh, and I think. Both guys have a very, very high chance of winning. I just think uh, if I had to pick one, it's a tough pick. I'd pick Aljo. I respect that. I respect that. What's something about you that you wish people knew? Okay, so I'm going to answer this two times. The first thing I'm going to say is I don't really give a shit. I don't care what people (laughs) think about me. I do this for me. I do this for my family. And I'm just the type of guy that doesn't care. Um, I don't care what people think about me. Do I want to put on exciting fights for the fans? Because I know the fans are what make the sport. Absolutely. Um, do I care about your opinion when you post on my Instagram of me kicking boards or me boxing or whatever? No, I don't give a shit. But um, let me think now. Um, I wish people knew. Uh, you know, I say this, but it's my fault because I don't post much on social media about my family life. But I wish y'all could see. Y'all thought I put a lot of energy into fighting. I wish I could see how much energy I put into my family, uh, my kids, uh, my wife, brother, mom, dad, like that that close-knit family that we have. That is the driving force of everything in my life, and that's why I do everything in my life. And uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll start some kind of uh, family vlog or something so y'all could see. But it is my fault that y'all don't get any of that. But... That's something that people don't know much about me, but my close friends obviously do. Why do you have such a high knockout percentage? Why are you knocking these guys out like that? What's in your hands? You, do you have bricks in your hands? What's going on? Uh, steroids. No. <laughs> um, honestly, finally, I think finally a, fighter, a fighter actually admitted it. <laughs> no, man. I think, um, I think it's my style. I like to create a lot of what we call like car crashes. And um, I do it as safe as possible. So when I'm basically saying, like, let's take your car and my car and let's run into each other a bunch of times throughout the fight, except I want to drive a tank and I want you to drive a smart car, right? I'm trying to be as safe as possible. Um, and I ju- I don't know why I hit hard. I just do. Uh, I have good – always have ha- – as always have had good base – good balance and I think that plays the biggest part of it um but accuracy obviously is a big part of it um I tell you what early in my amateur career it was probably because me freaking out and and panicking and not being as patient as I should have been but now you know all I need is one or two shots and it could you know if they land it's it's going to be a problem and I think um I've noticed that early in my career and I've hung my hat on that and I've, I've shaped everything grappling my wrestling my striking my kicking all around that and you gotta you gotta ride hard with your strong suits of course you want to fix what you're not great at and and make that better every day but 
you got to ride hard in the direction of, of the things that you're good at. Did you used to watch Pride back in the day? Not a ton. I, I have seen, obviously now, but while it was going on, not a ton, man. But uh, watching those guys go at it with with the, the insane like round placements and the fighters that moved to the UFC, I was like, oh my God, is these two guys already fought in Pride? I didn't know that. You know, When I first started fighting, it was very interesting. That's all we have time for. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much, Tan, for coming on the show. Uh, is there anything you want to plug or say before we wrap up the podcast? No, I just want to say thank you for having me. Uh, to all the fans, hopefully you see me in that cage soon. I need you all to push to make that interim title happen because we can't wait on this guy to get that belt back. We're going to get the interim title, then we'll get our belt back. Thank you. Follow Tan on Instagram, link in the description, and subscribe to Anything Combat on YouTube. Thanks, guys. Bye.